it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Quaint. Hey guys. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. We have a, uh, we're doing a very special thing this week. We are having our very first bonus episode, which is essentially if there's any topic that doesn't really fit, either doesn't necessarily fit the mold of what Mike and I usually do, or if it's something that only one of us is really passionate about, we're going to do a bonus episode. And so... This week, we actually have a two-parter coming up, and it's about something I'm very passionate about, as well as a dear friend of the podcast, the one and only Coach Adam, and it is, I mean, the greatest festival in the world, Coachella. I mean, the funny thing is, is Justin and I have spent so much time of our friendship in the last couple of years talking about our Coachella memories. So this is going to be a very effortless one. I have the least amount of notes I've ever had for a podcast, and I'm ready to just get going. Hey, I just need to say something. We we met for the first time at, at Coachella. Coachella. At Coachella, we uh, it was rancid, something that, um, which is, you know, just right away, just like people that say Coachella lineups have aren't the same, and it's not as good anymore. Think about that. What's amazing about Coachella is you could have a year where you know, the headliners are pop stars, but they still get these incredible gets, um, you know, exclusive. They don't tour very much. And then they can add someone to the lineup, like a rancid, like a childhood dream of ours. And we have a blast. And it's, you know, we, we get to go watch rancid on the main stage at what? Three, 4 PM. And it's just fucking unbelievable. And we, we'd be remiss. We have to give a shout out to your, to your lovely sister, one of my other dear friends, Emma. She's the one that introduced us. I know. Shout out to Emma. Shout so. out to Emma. So anyways, what we're going to get going in this first episode, we're going to do a two-parter. We wanted to release one on the Friday of weekend one. So today, April 9th, right now, we all wish we were on the fields. I know we do. And then next week, we're going to release another bonus episode. But this week... We're going to do our top five headliners and our top five non-headliners. We had to actually be there. So it's sets we've actually seen. Adam's gone to Coachella quite a bit longer than me. He's, you know, he's a California native. What What's your first year that you went? I went 2009 and I've gone 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Unfortunately, it could have been two more, but, you know, COVID-19 <sighs> happens. So Had other plans. Decided to stop us from seeing Rage Against the Machine on the fields. They, oh, please bring him back for 2022. I know. I was, very, I was very stoked. I will say without, it was, it was going to be so much more special in the Trump election year to have Rage, I'll be honest. Um, but obviously, it'd be awesome to see them um, either way. And kind of shout out if you're you've never been to Coachella and you know you're you have like a lukewarm opinion of it, 
the documentary that came out last year really like it's basically a good barometer of music in the last 20 years um if you're just a music fan in general and you can just see how the the different blends of genres and the amount of new music i've discovered at the festival um and just like the diversity the diversity of music i've seen um well you know we'll talk about it as as the pod rolls on but um you know it's 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 definitely you know the most famous festival productions the most amazing and they really even even today there's still you still have the one or two or three items on the lineup that you're like holy crap like i haven't thought about this band in 10 years or you know i didn't even know they tour anymore that's awesome oh they're back together and that's what makes coachella coachella it is you so well said and it really is true you hear a lot of people that haven't been to coachella have some negative impression of it thinking that it that it's somewhat overrun by these like instagram models and whatever, what have you. And it's just so not true. It's like, it's this small, small contingency of the people there and they're all in VIP anyway. So we don't even ever see them. Great point. All right. Should we get going? Let's get going. So, and by the way, so I went, I first went to Coachella in 2013. I moved out to LA in 2012. So I jumped on train, you know, I jumped on the train quite quickly and I've never looked back. I've gone every year since. And I know we're both looking forward to getting back out there in, in 2022, but without further ado, so we'll start with each of our top five headliners, and I have to let the veteran go first. Please, please lead us off, my friend. All right. So I always think a, a good headliner I get excited for is not necessarily like my favorite bands because like, for example, okay, what's a band I love? Like, I love Tame and Paul. I'm going to see Tame and Paul when they come to town, no matter what. So even though I'm like I'm stoked, I was stoked to see them on the lineup this year. What also excites me as a headliner is someone that like I wouldn't pay a hundred bucks to see, but now that I'm at the festival grounds, I'm like this is a great opportunity to see them. And so I'm gonna so I'm gonna lead it off 2010, um, one of my first years, one of the most legendary just people in the world, um, Hall of Famer Jay Z. Wow! Wow! I also want to very quickly interrupt you before you start just to show you how much COVID has fucked with us. You just were, you were like, Oh yeah. When I saw Tame Impala on the lineup this year, I was like, Oh yeah, that was two years ago now. Unbelievable. That was just two years ago. It's funny. It's funny. When I do talk about Coachella or like something I did music wise, I'm like, Oh yeah, last year. And it's like now two years ago. And it's just, it's, it's depressing, but so depressing, but Jay Z, the Jay Z. So, you know, Jay Z, like I, I don't, you know, I never owned a Jay-Z album, but you, you know 90% of the songs because they're iconic. Um, he brought Beyonce up at the end of this end of the fest, and she uh, she sang Forever Young, look looked like wearing like a Sex Pistols t-shirt. Like it, it, it was it was legendary. And the cool thing about Jay-Z live is uh, especially like in a festival setting, um, he has a great band. Like which mm-hmm. you know, half you know, you go to a lot of rap shows and it's you know, it's just backing tracker DJ, and the band was awesome. He so much energy, amazing performer. First time I've seen him. I think the only time I've actually seen him. Um, so yeah, Jay Z, epic show. That's my number five. I love it. I I gotta say, Jay is. I'm fully with you. I feel like we feel pretty similar about him. He's not someone I'd really typically seek out on his own. But I also had the chance once to see him uh, at Yankee Stadium years ago. 
he was doing a co-headline show. Actually, it was that same year. It was 2010. He was doing a co-headline show with uh, Eminem. I'm a big M fan. So I went and I was blown away, man. He's just Jay-Z. He's a fucking showman. There's a reason why he's one of the most famous rappers of all time. Yeah. Incredible. So great, great pick. I uh, I will lead us off actually with what I think I think may surprise you or at least surprise a bunch of people. But I'm going to lead off with Phoenix's headline set in 2013. So 2013 came out and probably the most controversial like backlash Coachella got with the headliners. Um, mm-hmm. Blur and Stone Roses, probably the least popular headliners they had. They did a co-headliner for one night. Yep. Red Hot Chili Peppers, where they've already played the festival a couple times at that point. For Conte's out of the band, kind of just boring choice. Um, and Phoenix. And at that point, Phoenix, you know, had one big album, you know, one really big album. They, you saw them on the headline, you saw them as a headliner and you're like, wait, they're a headliner? Um, and, and I remember not being excited to see Phoenix and they really did deliver an amazing set. Um, it did. was, it was awesome. And I don't know if you went the same weekend as me, but which weekend did you go that weekend that one? Me too. Me too. Because the whole, the whole festival that year, every, every time you were at that stage, Dat Punk's had come out. I hear Dat Punk's coming out. Yep. So finally a special guest comes out at the end of the Phoenix set and at this time, it was okay to like this person, but R. Kelly comes out, probably the last person you would ever expect <laughs> to come out with Phoenix, ends up doing one of their songs with them, trying to be cool, and then does Remix to Ignition, one of the most fun moments I've ever had at the field. It was, I couldn't agree more. It was out of left field, and it was unbelievable. And, dude, the whole Phoenix thing, I mean, it was... It was so funny because I had the exact same reaction as you. You're like, oh, you know, they, this doesn't make sense. Like they they should be somewhere, you know, on the second line at best. And they clearly knew and they brought it. It was, again, the, the crowd was massive because everyone was convinced Daft Punk was coming out right. because they're very close friends with Daft Punk. France connection. Fran- French connection. And then also... Daft Punk had come out with them at their Madison Square Garden show. I think it was like a year earlier. And so people really thought this was happening. Plus, they had played the like, what was it? The the teaser for Get Lucky or for for the, the new album, Random Access Memories on all the screens on the fields. It was just people were sure. And Anyways, they never came out even after Phoenix ended their set and everyone chanted Daft Punk for 10 minutes, which I'll never forget. But Phoenix really brought it. That List of Mania is one of my favorite songs of that decade. And they just they really killed it. I'll never forget when the lead singer, uh, when he crowd surfed from the stage to the sound booth in the middle and just stood on top and you could tell it was probably the greatest moment of their career. And like, it was, it was a big one. It was, and I really enjoyed it. I have to give them so many props for pulling it off. Without question, without question, left that set super happy. Um, felt like I got my money's worth and, um, you know, was such a, 
ever since then, I've been a huge Phoenix fan. I've seen them multiple times, um, have, you know, listened to all their albums. People, people don't realize cause they kind of got off, they got on the scene late in their career mm-hmm. that they've, they've had it. They've had a ton of albums. Yes. And they've been around a while. So, um, the, you know, the backstory, I don't know if you heard why the lineup wasn't as good headliner wise is supposedly they had a last second deal fall through with the stones. Did you hear that? Holy in 2013, shit. I had not heard that. And it, it supposedly the chili peppers was the, uh, was the last second, um, the last second get. That makes a lot of sense. And I have to say, I'm a massive chili peppers fan and I've seen them sometimes and, and it's been unbelievable. The fucking dust storms on that Sunday were so insane. I will never forget it. All of the equipment was right. flying around on the stage. Kiedis couldn't even fucking barely sing because he had so much sand in his throat. It was, it was insane. The funny thing is, is um, people complain about death storms like every year. And mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's like always the state I'm in and I never, never really bothers me, but you know, like I heard like one year in 2014, a set we're going to talk about later, everyone's like, oh, that was so miserable with the dust. And for some reason, I don't know if I'm wearing a bandana or I'm just under the influence, but I, that didn't bother me. So The only time it's ever bothered me was that that one. Yeah. That was the only time for me. It was right. 2013, that Sunday. <laughs> only the very end. Only the, the that back end of the day. It was I, I had to drive home that night. And I had to pull over on the, I had to pull over on the highway because that's how strong the winds were. Wow. It was insane. But anywho, that's number five. Bring it to number four. Number four, my first Coachella and arguably the most famous person to headline Coachella, Paul McCartney. Wow. I'm so, bowing down to Sir Paul right now. So, I mean, it was it was just a surreal moment, obviously. You're seeing one of the most famous, important musicians of all time. My Your first Coachella, a lot of feelings. Um, and, you know, does every Beatles song. It's a two and a half hour show. Backstory, um, they had a hard out. They, you know, used to, I think now Friday, Saturday goes to one, but it used to go to 12. Mm-hmm. And he went 30 minutes late. And now if you go, if you go late in most festivals, they just cut it off, you know, like you're off because the city finds you. Like, I think it's like a thousand, like $10,000, like every minute you're like, you're, you're over with the noise, um, the noise constraints. And, but of course, at this point, if you're Coachella, you can't pull the plug on a beetle. And so I think they were, they, I think they had to pay like so much money. And so ever since then, you know, nothing will ever go over, but, um, I did hear that about a set and it was, it was amazing set. Um, you know, did, did everything. And that's my number four, Paul McCartney. I mean, that's an incredible number four. I was, I was blessed to see him at ACL a couple years ago. And I mean, the, the man puts on a fucking clinic. Yeah. It's still got, it still sounds good. The band's good, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's the most famous living musician. Let's be real. Without question. Yeah. Great choice. Let's keep it rolling. Um, let's keep it rolling. All right. My number four is one that actually surprised, uh, sort of similar in the sense of it surprised me. And I know this is a set I think that divided some people. I had a lot of friends that didn't love this set. 
it actually is what made me a fan of this of this artist. And that is 2017 Kendrick Lamar. Interesting. I didn't understand the Kendrick cut and I hadn't gotten it. I just had not gotten into him yet. I'd listened to the first two albums. Um, Damn obviously dropped the weekend of I always go weekend one. And so this damn dropped, I think, the Friday of weekend one. And so, so obviously, so real quickly, and I'm going to let you keep going. This was my beef with it because the album drops while we're at Coachella. I was at the same weekend as you. And so he's half the songs you don't know. That's not fun for a headliner. No, I 100% agree with you there. I 100% agree with you. Terrible decision. Should have released it the Friday before, like two, like one Friday earlier. Give everyone a week. And so that, that yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I will say I listened to the whole album a couple times over the course of the weekend prior because I think he was Sunday, if I remember correctly. He closed out the he, festival. He did. And I end up sort of wandering over there from uh, from Justice, which was a fucking unbelievable set. And, unbelievable set. Oh, oh, my God. And by the way, I still remember one of the great Coachella days of all time, just with the two outdoor stages you had. You had Maddie on Porter Robinson, Justice, Lord, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. Um, <sighs> Kendrick. I mean, it was just one of the most insane back and forth. Um, I couldn't in agree one day. more. You just kept going back and forth. That's yeah. all you had to do. All you had to do. Um, but so I'll say, I wasn't a big Kendrick guy. All my friends were going over to Kendrick. And I was like, all right, like, fuck it. Like, I've been having a great day. I'm going to just ride this out, go over, watch them. And I was like, holy shit. Like, it was like a fucking art show. Like, it was it was such a cool performance. And even though I barely knew the songs, I was very moved by some of them. And maybe some of this was in part to some substances that were in my body. But the fight, I'll never forget he ended with, uh, what's that song called? Love. Be humble. Oh. No, he ended the whole thing, I think, with love. There was an encore okay. and he did love off damn and it was so beautiful i'll never forget it it was like such a beautiful way to end the entire festival that that year i love that and, and i feel like i feel like that's a show too forget the under the influence it's also like the crowd around you like if mm -hmm. they're like that's the kind of show where it's like if, if everyone's just having a great time it, it wears off you know totally and and that's what was so interesting i think a lot of people were having fun a lot of my friends who were like pretty decent sized fans were like, what the fuck is this? Like, I think they thought it was going to be like super hype and sort of how his old school shows were. But I feel like this was a new era for him and he started going in a different direction. And it was, I loved it. And I was a fan ever since that day. I think he's one of the, one of the better rappers that is active at the moment. So I, I loved it. Shout yeah. out to Kendrick. Um, definitely one of my favorites. You know, what I like about him is, you know, he incorporates music of musicians I love, like Thundercat, Fly Low, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. Um, I, you know, maybe it was because the crowd, I don't know what. I, I didn't. I love him so much that sometimes a lot of hip-hop shows to me don't translate into good live shows. And I actually regret not seeing New Order because I've never seen New Order, and they played the <sighs> same time. Dude, I was actually, that was that was a hard night. Because you had yeah. the justice overlap a little bit with Kendrick. You had New Order fully overlapping with Kendrick. I think there was even someone else. There was probably someone good in Yuma. There always is. But it was just, 
that was a fucking rough ending to the uh yeah to the but, to the night but still a good one all right number three time for me do it all right so in 2017 same year we we're talking about beyonce was supposed to headline um and in my opinion for in terms of a fun show if you want to have a great time more songs that you recognize more ways to dance it actually got upgraded when she got pregnant and had to bow out lady gaga saturday night 2017 wow. it was just it was just a party like when like she she's just a performer um, you know, I'm I'm actually excited to see Dua Lipa finally live because I think she's going to be similar oh, like so this. I'm so excited for her. Yes, be- because it's it's not only does she play instruments and she said some great things and she's such like an iconic star, but I mean her songs are just it, it's it's disco, you know. And mm-hmm. to headline Coachella, there there was no there was no better better choice. Um, it was the first kind of real female pop star, um, which we've had one almost every year since now, and. Um, I had, I had a blast. I had a blast. And, um, you know, it's going to be a controversial for your listeners, but I had actually a lot more fun than I did the next year when I saw Beyonce. And I'm not saying that her set wasn't, wasn't, wasn't incredibly put together and important and all that. But in terms of just, you know, you know, the bangers, you're going to, you're going to have a great time. Lady Gaga, not even close for me was a, was a more fun, better set. You know what? My friend, and I mean, I'm not surprised because you and I, we have a lot of similarities in our musical taste, but I could not agree more. I thought I, I agree with everything you just said. Lady Gaga was way more fun. Beyonce's, like you said, super important, incredible production show. Yes, on a technical, critical level, it was obviously better, but Gaga was so much fucking fun. That's it. That, I did not think you were going to pick that. And that's a great little that's a great pick. I like it. Thank I like you, sir. it. Um, all right. My number three. So I'm going to take us back to 2016. And I, I have a thing for the clap for the, for the classic rock bands. And I mean, I guess you can call them classic. I'm going guns and roses, guns and roses, 2016. There's probably, Probably over the past, you know, decade, there's about 10, 15 artists that are on my so-called bucket list of artists that I really want to see that are a bit older. Guns N' Roses is one of them. And I was really pumped up when they got back together. I was very excited for the show, despite Axel being in like the crazy, you know, chair. And I thought, you know, I know for some people, it probably wasn't the best because it's it's not like hit after hit. They literally did like their two and a half, you know, whatever show that they would do at an arena. And I thought it was fucking awesome. I know a lot of their songs. They pulled out some of their best deep cuts. They did all the hits. It's, you know, they crushed it. And what I will forever laugh about is the fact that they did go over curfew. They did Paradise City after they hit after 1 a.m. Okay. And they didn't get cut off and they shot off fucking fireworks and everything. And I was, I remember joking with the couple people I was with because a few couple friends and I ended up, uh, actually Emily Schwartz was one of them. Shout out to Emily who loves guns and roses. We ended up making our way almost to the very front. We were joking. We said, 
Paul would never pull the plug on fucking Guns N' Roses because they know Axel's never coming back weekend too if they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great call. Um, but yeah, it was just super fun. I mean, the hits were big and, and the rest. And, and there's something there's time. something iconic seeing Slash with his cigarette just shredding it. On the stage at Coachella. Like, I mean, like we talk right. about like, right. Like we talk about, you know, so far with my choices, Jay-Z, McCartney, Gaga, like these legends Mm-hmm. And and you you got to put Slash and even Axel in the chair yeah. as these legends. So I I completely agree, dude. Number two, all right. Number two for me, the number one artist where you know rest in peace because I think the 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 artist we know is not the same person anymore. But at the time, you either would get you could get the best show ever or the worst show ever for a myriad of reasons. And in 2011, I got the best show ever. Oh my God. The most artistic, thoughtful, put together show hits galore. At the time there was no, no one, you know, bigger pop culture wise, Kanye West. Wow. Dude, you are a lucky man for being there. I mean, one of the only shows he did for my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. And I watched the stream that year and it was the most epic thing. It's the most epic thing. You have the whole dancers he had, you know, for this whole album cycle when, you know, he would, when he would perform and it would open with the, um, that iconic, that iconic clip from watch the throne and like about to go ham, you know, I'm about to go ham. And then it was all of a sudden, can you get much higher? And he just goes on a crane, a million feet in the air. And proceeds to do every hit, the '80s and Heartbreak songs. The, the it was, it was you could tell it was a big deal for him, and and then he then he starts singing. You know, he does like Lost in the World and like like I said, the '80s Heartbreak songs. Bonnie Vare was his backup singer in that show. Like Justin Vernon was on, was the guy on stage singing his backup lyrics. Like if that's not a flex, I don't know what is. <laughs> That is, uh, that, that to me is one of the ones, there's a few that I obviously have either watched the set or have seen clips. And that's one of the few that I am so sad that I was not a Coachella goer yet for that show. That set. Wow, man. That's, I mean, I, I figured that one had to be on there. Legendary. Um, all right. My number two. This one surprised me a little bit. Whereas with Guns N' Roses, I I had really wanted to see Guns N' Roses. This next band, I also had wanted to see, but so much more casually. Can I guess? I ended up up thinking it was one of the most fun headline sets ever. And what do you think? ACDC. Yep. It's completely the same with me. Like I, I wasn't even like planning on seeing him. And then I finally like, I'm like in between people I wanted to see, I was like, oh, let's go check it out. And everyone's just having a blast. And like, let's be honest, like half the people having a blast probably is never, would never think of seeing ACDC, you know, mm-hmm. with the clientele Coachella gets. And we're just having a blast and they brought it. And that's a great call. Thank you. It, w- it was insane. Yeah. 2015. It was a nonstop party. They have so many hits. You don't even realize, honestly, until they take the stage. Angus Young, you know, literally bled from playing the guitar so hard at the show. 
And yeah, it blew my mind. It truly blew my mind when they played. Um, You shook me all night long. I will never forget. The crowd was one of the loudest I have ever seen it at Coachella. It was insane. You know, one of my favorite things to do at Coachella is when like the hit song comes on. Cause let's be honest. You know, a lot of people go to festival. They don't know all the songs. So there's nothing like when the band finally plays like their song and you just see people just get so excited. You look at like the facial expressions. It's like one of my favorite things to do when I, when I go to a festival like Coachella. I fully agree. I fully agree. Uh, so my friend, number one for the headliners. So number one, like, so there's definitely times where y- you have a great set. So like Outcast, for example, they, they come back together, they reunite, but then they play 80 shows and it's the same show. So even though it was like a good get because they let it off and it was the first show back, it it's not as special once they play 80 shows in a tour, you know? So this was the only show that these artists did ever, ever. It was obviously, if you watch the documentary, the, mo- the moment that Coachella became like a global topic of conversation um, with, and this will give it away, with the hologram. And... It was just, it was just a special show. And the funny thing is, is this is my fourth, this is my third hip hop artist in, in the headliners. And I'm not a hip hop fan. Like, I don't think I've ever paid money to go to a hip hop show. Like non, like is not part of a festival with other stuff, but this is clear cut. The most memorable one. Um, the guest they had was incredible. You know, um, Eminem doing forgot about Dre. I mean, just that, that's all I need to say. 50 cents, everyone, Trey and Snoop, iconic 2012. Unbelievable. First year of two weekends. So you knew they had to do something special and they did and they pulled it off and it was, it was epic. People still talk about the hologram to this day at Tupac. Yeah. I think it's the hologram. I think the, the hologram to me was overrated. Mm-hmm. And especially something in the documentary I didn't love because you're like, oh, it was crazy. First of all, it was it, social media was still prevalent then. Everyone knew it was coming. Like I knew I knew about okay. that for a week, you know. And I and I went weekend one too. So, but it was it was that that didn't do it for me. It was just just the just the icons. You no, know, Dr. Dre rarely to, like rarely performs. Yep. Um, and it was just it was just a blast. It was an hour and a half, and it was as someone that's not a big hip hop guy, I think I knew every song. Wiz Khalifa did his hit. Like it was, it was the best. Unbelievable. The best. Everyone I know that, that went to that said that was probably the best one ever. It's, were you, I, were, did you go that year? That was sadly the, no, I started in 2013. So I just missed it. I had just gotten to LA. I don't know. I should have, I should have been there. I you want to hear, you wanna hear a, a take I had on Facebook that didn't age well. And it came up on Facebook memories and, oh, and I got roasted for this was please, please, please. someone put on their, um, on their status should i see avici or dre and snoop and so i wrote back you could see avici forever like he he plays it he'll play in vegas oh every weekend God. dre and snoop is once in a lifetime and the the tweet did not the, the my, my uh my post did not age well oh boy rest rest in peace to avici by the way oh, oh yeah. man that <laughs> yikes yikes i will say with all respect to avici i i was lucky enough to see him but i will say that Dre and Snoop, that it, it really was a one-off. I mean, it, it still was the it still was the move. Still yep. was the move. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna take right from great segue over to my number one. 
My number one is the guest that I think people were the most excited about in that set. Eminem, 2018. My favorite rapper of all time. One of my favorite artists of all time. I'm not, I might be a little bit more of a hip hop guy than you, but my primaries are rock and, and electronic. Eminem, though, I mean, one of my favorite people ever. See, I'd see, I've been lucky to see him a couple times before, but at my favorite festival, headlining the final night. I mean, it just does not get better, and it truly was unbelievable. The set list was insane. He had every guest you could truly want. Drake came out. You had fucking 50 come out. I don't think 50's had that much fun in the last decade. And It was so, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Oh. And, and it's, I loved Eminem growing up. I probably don't listen to Eminem very much. But then they started doing songs. He started playing songs. I'm like, I probably have heard that song in 10 years. And it was... It was incredible. And to me, Stan's one of the great songs of all time to see oh. that live. It, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. I was so happy I got to see Eminem finally. You know, Eminem's not someone that tours very much. You know, no, he, he'll, rare, do, rare he'll do some festivals here or there. I remember he did this whole spiel on him being sober, um, which was like very, you know, which was very, um, which was very memorable. Um, yep. The Jimmy Kimmel, they had this like skit where like everyone was talking because uh, I went weekend two. So they so weekend two. Do you go weekend one that year? I did. I did. So weekend two, there was this Jimmy Kimmel thing where he he's on the screen, and it was they were doing tweets of everyone talking like everyone talking shit about his set, and it is it, so it was he was kind of like roasting everyone, and it was it was it was great. Anyway, he 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 pulled it off. It was such a great such a great set, and it was. That was definitely the first year where I was disappointed with the lineup. You know, I didn't think there was, there was the first year there wasn't enough artists I was excited about. Mm -hmm. And I came, there was like, and it was my first year I kind of just went with like a smaller group. So I'm with my friend Alex, who actually I'm usually not with my friend Alex because we'll go in together and then he just kind of wanders off. Um, he's actually in the room right now, Alex. Say hi. Um, and so, but, <laughs> but I, it was that last day. You had the most incredible Portugal, the man, Odessa, Eminem. Oh. And I was maybe in terms of just the diversity, the one, two, three punch, an epic, fuck, an epic day. And actually right before was Cardi B, which I, I blew me away. Like I was like, I didn't know she had that, that much talent and could fucking slay it. And I, I had a blast. Eminem, great choice. And pretty cool. We had 10 different ones. Unbelievable. I love that. And yeah, I love that so much. It's, but yeah, Eminem, he really, he really fucking killed it. And just again, like Jay Z, he has a backing band, which is awesome. Him and Jay Z, two of the only rappers that have live bands that play with them. Yeah. But anywho, yeah. So that's the, that's our headliners. Now, now's where things really get interesting. Do you have an Do you have an honorable mention on your headliner, like someone that you were you were close? You know what? I funny enough, probably because my pool is smaller than yours. I don't. That's my five that I loved. And I have a couple I could say that I liked, but what's give me yours first. Honestly, I think it'd be Eminem would probably be would probably be the one. Okay. Uh, Eminem and maybe maybe A C D C because of just the, everything you said and the surprise. So Yeah, I'm trying um, to think. I'm trying to think. I, 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 I love Jack White. But, um I love Jack White, but I've I but I've seen I, I saw him a couple times on the tour. I saw him at Bonnaroo where he played double the time and it was like an epic set. Um 
one of like the great sets of his career. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it, but I, I don't think it, to me, it was iconic as the other five. I'm with you. I really enjoyed that Jack White set as well. And I also, I also will say again, it wouldn't be in my top five, but I am in the minority, I think, and that I actually liked Calvin Harris's. Completely agree. Set. Completely yeah. agree. It was and fun. Someone, what else could you want? And look, as someone that like, I don't go to like the EDCs anymore and you know, these big, you know, the big electronic festivals and the production was amazing. He had Rihanna come out. He had big Sean come out doing the biggest song, you know, of, of the year. And it, it was great. I, I had a blast. So I, I, I completely, I completely, too much. I completely agree with you. I, I, I had a great time and totally uh, no regrets there. One last thing I'll shout out is I want to say my most maybe anticipated besides Eminem was Outcast, And I was weekend one. It was a little bit of a letdown because Andre 3000 wasn't quite, he didn't, he hadn't found his footing yet with performing again. They cut them off for the very end when they had brought out Killer Mike to do uh what's it called? Um, um wow, how am I blanking yes. on the song? We'll, 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 uh, we'll circle back to this. Yeah, we'll circle back. But anyways, so but I have to say I ended up seeing them later that year at Life is Beautiful and it was fucking unbelievable. Right. Well, that's a pop, that's a pro. I was always weekend one, weekend one, weekend one. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's the guests are better and it's the the vibe. And as you get older, like by probably my number one reason why I like going weekend two is it seems to me there's less kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it seems like the bands get their kinks out a little bit. So you have the Outcast is a good example. Um, Jameer Coy, my weekend, like they they didn't get to do their their virtual insanity because they ran out of time, and they obviously figured that out the next week. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's there are some pros about. Um, you know, about the two weekends. Radiohead had a bunch of sound issues weekend one in 2017. That was fixed the next, you know, the next week. So shout out weekend two. It's easier. It's less crowded because there's less parties. If you're just really there for the festival. Um, I'm all about weekend two now. I will definitely go on one year. I I really want to both cella when it comes back in 2022, but the, uh, the one thing that I just can't get, there's two things that I love about weekend one, just to give weekend one some props. One, there's nothing I love more than that fresh, fresh grass. And two, I am someone, and this is just me. This, I don't think everyone would feel like this. I'm someone that very much likes the surprise of it all. Like in any hundred percent. And by the way, I think that's what diminished the Beyonce set for me because I saw it a decent amount, you know, like mm-hmm. I guarantee you if I was there weekend one and I saw the 50, you know, the 50 person marching band, I'd be like, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, and so I do agree with you. It, it, it That's the one negative, but the positive is Alex and I, the last couple, the three years we've done weekend two, uh-huh. we, uh, we, we order in some food, we get a nice bottle of red wine out. And, and we watch some of the sets, especially if we're like, not sure about some stuff like, Oh, like, should we check? Oh, let's check this out. I heard they're playing at the Gobi at like an hour where like, I'm not sure I want to see anything. Well, and and so we'll, 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 we'll take it up. So, I so yeah. That. So, so th- what we're really saying is either weekend is fucking great and there's pros to each. So whichever one you can go do it. If you haven't yep. been before, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're a Coachella fanatic, but Anywho, into what I think is going to be much more interesting even than that. Let's do it. Top five non-headliners. And 
fuck man i just need to say before we dive in like this was hard as shit there's it was so, so hard. many we, i could have done i could have done 30 um, i i it's it, and it's it's so it's you know it's there's so many different there's so many different vibes you know that there's times where i've never seen an ours before and they end up being one of my favorites and is is that you know should that be on my list um, you know, I, I, a smaller DJ show, something intimate, something I had a good experience with friends wise, you know, a girl I fell in love with, like, you know, you, it's like, does that make the set better? I don't know, but I just went pure music. <laughs> I hear that story. I want to hear you know, that story. Things, you know, and, and I think, I think all five of my picks were things you could only get at Coachella. So like, like for, you know, so for example, like there might be something that was a great set. But I'm like, I could have seen that at five different festivals. And so and so I think my list is kind of a Coachella exclusive. Okay. I'd say mine is a couple of mine are Coachella exclusive. And I'd say a couple of mine are memory based. And you'll see what I mean by that. Right. Moments maybe that stuck out. So I love it. Do you want me to kick? I'll kick off this one. Kick it off. All right. So I'm going to start and bringing us back to 2014. And I had to include this set because it has arguably, I mean, one of my ultimate Coachella memory moments. It is Capital Cities on the outdoor stage, 2014. So quick shout out to Emma's good friend, Spencer, who yes. uh, Slayed the trump, slayed the trumpet. Actually performed with um, Harry Styles at the uh, Grammys, um, and and was awesome. Um, Harry Styles will be headlining Coachella soon. By the way, I believe that. I believe that. Um, but super fun set. I was there. So memorable. One of the most fun album cycles. Um, great call. So here and here's what I have to say about it. Really quickly is that what. What made me have to include it, and I've talked about this with the friends who were at this set every single year since, comes up all the time. So they ended with Safe and Sound, of course. They then put on the Safe and Sound remix by Cash Cash, which is just like an insane upbeat electronics-like version of it. They ended up having the entire crowd take off, every single person, take off your shirt, swing it in the air, and the image, wow. I will never forget every single thousands upon thousands of people. They they literally were like, we're not fucking going out. Everyone take their fucking shirt off. Everyone had their shirt going like this. And when the when the fucking beat dropped, one of my greatest all time memories and anyone that was there that I know says to me, even if you're not like Capital Cities, I love that album. I'm not that big of a fan otherwise. Of course, yeah. It was such a fucking moment. And I just, I had to include it. I, I That's couldn't awesome. not. That's so cool. I actually miss, I, I was at 90% of that set, but I had to leave because there's just something about at a festival setting, MGMT, and they played right oh, after. Yeah, so, I remember that. So I had to leave and it was sunset. They played all the hit. All, right? all the hit main stage just such a such a vibe they close electric field kind of that what i t told you about the moment of like everyone just face lighting up and it was a blast it was it was great but uh i'm sorry i missed that that Dude, sounds awesome hey i'll show you a video one of these years but you were you know you were at mgmt where our our dear friend leonardo dicaprio was caught on video 
clearly rolling his face off dancing in the general well, admission. And, and the most and the most iconic Kid Cudi dancing. You've seen oh, that? Yes, yes, of course, of course. On stage. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, all, all right. right. So my number five, and this is the definition of this only happened will happen at Coachella, an outside the box. It was so cool. Han Zimmer. Oh, I have it higher. I have it higher. Okay. So let's so we'll wait. go back to it. Let's wait. We'll go back. All right. Cool. Um, all right. My number four. I know I'm going to get, I'm going to get things thrown at me by some people listening to this podcast for this one. And I, part of me didn't want to do it because I was like, ah, oh, there's so many like more, there's so many rare acts I've seen. There's so many insane, like awesome sets. But there's one set that truly impacted my trajectory in my love of music. And for that, coupled with the fact that it might have been the most fun I ever had with every single one of my friends together, almost at the front of the stage, I have to go with Major Laser 2016. Such a blast. Sunset. So it, it's one of the most special things, in my opinion, and my favorite things, even if it's like a cheesier artist, like a Zed or, you know, where the five straight years of the sunset okay. main stage, mm-hmm. no matter who it is, it's always just a special set. And it's always one of, if not the most attended set of the weekend, even yeah. as much or more more than the headliners. Right, which and is why they booked Calvin Harris, because the first one was Calvin Harris. And I think at that point, that was the biggest crowd of all time. Ever. Yes. And by the way, we lost Alex right away for that set. That was his first Coachella. And Alex was like, oh, yeah, I'll just meet you guys in the back. And uh, we didn't <laughs> see him the rest of the day. Sounds, sounds about right from everything that I know about Alex. Incredible. Yeah. Um, but, but great, great call. So, so much fun. So much fun. It was, it was, you know, lean on that whole album. Um, piece of the mission is that what it's called? Yep. Yep. It's so fun. It's so fun. The, the, the definition of fun, dude, the definition of fun. And so I, so I just have to give a little backstory. So I'm a rock guy through and through always have been until two, you know, I started going to Coachella electronics started coming into my life. I'd already seen some of these artists like Skrillex, Diplo by himself, like whatever, Vegas. Anyways, I start, you know, I see Calvin Harris 2014. I start seeing, you know, I start getting into a lot of these artists, some of these more mainstream guys to start. Sunday 2016 was the day that I forever fell in love with electronic music and went deep down a rabbit hole that has led me to so many wonderful places now. And it started with, it was literally the run. And I know a lot of people laugh at it, but it was, it was major laser. Then I went over to chain smokers in the Sahara. And then I went, was that that when third eye blind came out with them? Yes, yes, yes. So cool. What the fuck was after that? Oh, and then it was, and then it was Calvin to end the whole thing. And after that, is when, I mean, obviously none of these artists represent that fully, but I started going down the house and techno rabbit hole, and here I am today. It's probably my most listened to genre of music and what I go to shows of the most. And I owe it to that. Truly, that Major Laser set started it all off. I'll never forget also another epic moment, similar to the Capital Cities moment, but different. They played a song called... Um, I'm totally blanking on the name, but it's a it's a bit of a lesser known song of Major Lasers. 
and what they wanted everyone in the crowd to do, which keep in mind, one of the biggest crowds of the whole weekend, they wanted everyone to fucking run like 10 feet to the left and then turn and like bounce over to the right. And everyone in this fucking like, who knows how many people there were, you know, 70, 80,000 people, 100,000 people in this crowd did it. And when you rewatch the video from the live stream, it is bonkers. It is like, how did nobody get trampled doing this? It was so much fun. And look, I got to give it up to Diplo, you know, while she fired and, you know, for doing this. And it's. uh, No, Greg, you know, one of my my honorable mention is Mm -hmm. Major Laser. I want to say 2012. No, it's 13 in the 13 Mojave. In the Mojave. Insane and it was set. The most fun set. It was what was what was the what was this dumb thing where everyone had like freeze? Like the the something challenge mannequin challenge. Yes, so like, yes, yes, yes. We did a mannequin challenge and we did that, and then it was um it was just like the most there were so many fun things about that show. There's so much going on. They're they're throwing squirt guns in the crowd. It's just if you want fun for an hour, like go to a major laser show. And it was it was so cool. So, I mean, and then and then to see that set and then see the production on the main stage a couple years later, which is another cool thing about Coachella when you see bands, you know, or people just progress to the stars that they they become. It's it's awesome. So good it good is. choice. Definitely a, a memorable experience for me as well. I fucking love to hear that. And special shout out that song that I was talking about where everyone did the crazy shit during their set. It's called Sound Bang. Right. So check it out if you want. Anywho. So, get to your- so this is a band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In the Rock I mean, and Roll Hall of Fame. And this band's not on any other festival lineup. And of course, there's someone that will surprise you the kind of the kind of artist that'll just surprise you on a festival lineup someone that you knew a few of the songs and after the fest i was like oh i get it now and one of my more listened to classic rock type bands steely fucking dan wow 2015 right 2015 outdoor stage yep great set and by the way, that was when it was so cool. You can watch all the artists from the beer garden in 20, in, in, like until I think that year before they like mm-hmm. expanded it. And it was just so nice to like have a beer in your hands and just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. And it was, the crowd was great. They sounded great. It was such a memorable experience. And yeah, I mean, just something that I would never, I would never have appreciated if it wasn't for being on a festival lineup like Coachella. Dude. What I call my Larry, Larry Sequino, who you know, of course, shout out to Larry. Larry loved that set so much. I, I was, I had the pleasure of watching it with him. Great, great call. Um, wow. All right. My number three, over to number three. My number three is a set that we touched on during my number four, and that is. Arguably one of the most famous non-headline sets of Coachella, Calvin Harris's 2014 Sunday Sunset set. Um, again, I know I, I'm going deep on the on the mainstream EDM right here, but 
those sets are some of the most fun sets in the in the fucking festival's history. And this was the first one that started the trend of the Sunday sunset slot. It was the biggest crowd at Coachella ever at the time, ever more than any headliner. And I mean, at that point, that was Cal- that was peak Calvin Harris. It was just hit after hit after hit after hit with all of your friends on the fields. What could be more fun? I don't know. If if you if you were at that set and didn't have a good time, like we got to talk. We have to. We have to. It's just not possible. It's not possible. So great call. Completely agree. I love it. All right. What's your number three? All right. My number three is the one the one artist of this of this um, of this that it, there's nothing like they're on other festival lineups. But the production of Coachella makes this set better than any other set you'll go to. They'll tour. It's still not going to be better production with all the accoutrements that Coachella gives you. Packed in the hour. I mentioned it for a second because they opened for, M- open for Eminem. Yep. But that Odessa set, first of all, their oh. next album, if their next album is any good, they'll be headlining festivals because they're 100%. just the most creative, beautiful – Unreal vibe. I'll never forget. They had this this, this drone light show, and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Um, it, it was. I, I wish I could replay that that sh- that set for the rest of for the rest of my life. Odessa, two thousand eighteen. Absolutely fantastic choice. I. It's one of my first honorable mentions. It's so memorable. The again, what you said, the drone show will never be replicated. And I mean, it was such a such a special Coachella moment, and just that into Eminem, so dive such a variety right there. Both just unbelievable, and there couldn't have been. It, it's just it was the ultimate one two punch, and like you said, one two three punch with Portugal the man. But that set was mind blowing, in awe, and it's like. You know, that Odessa set in 2018, of course, now there's a few acts that are like them and that were also already had come up by them. But it's like, you know, you have your Rufus, who's awesome, but they really fucking set a set a standard there with just how incredible that was. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. All right, let's hear it. All right. So my number two. This one holds such a fucking special place in my heart. One of my favorite Coachella sets at all in in general made me a massive, massive, massive fan of this band, a band that I truly really only knew one song of prior, which they didn't even get to play because as Adam said earlier, timing got a little fucked up and they didn't get to play it. It is Jamiroquai in 2018. I just and this is and this is the definition of why Coachella is the best because yeah. oh Ariana Grande is headlining this year and Coachella's gone to shit and like Jamiroquai did Jamiroquai tour that year like did they play any other shows in America maybe one or two they played one so they played let me tell you this they hadn't played in America in 13 years they hadn't played in America in 13 years cool. and they played and they played in a tent at the end of the night during the weekends, who shout out, I would totally see the weekends, but I've never been happier with a choice I've ever made by have closing the day with Jamiroquai. And 
amazing. And and before mm. I, I let you finish, um, you got Snoop Dogg that night too. We did, and which was unbelievable. He comes out with like a fucking I forget like a box of cereal. It was unbelievable. Um, and he did one of Jamiroquai's songs with them. And it's like, dude, Tyler the Creator was at that set front and center, like watching. He's a massive fan. It's like there's a lot of Jamiroquai fans, and I have to say, like they as you can attest to as well, they absolutely killed it. Like you could tell, you know, JK, the lead singer and the band, they all fucking, they really put the effort in to make this special. I mean, they knew first us show people had traveled from around the country to come to this show. The only shows they played in the States all year, they played those two. And then in the week in between, they played up in San Francisco. And then later in the summer, they came back and played one show in New York City. And it, you know, it's, it, I, again, like I said, I only really knew virtual insanity. I had prepped myself a little bit because I was like, ooh, Jamiroquai, like that could be a fun one to see. So I'd listened, but like they, I'll never forget, I almost made a terrible mistake. I went to the, we, I, so I was at Soul Wax, which was incredible. And then, first of all, first of all, that, that was close to my, one of my sets because it's kind of like what you say about Jamiroquai. Like I didn't know much about Soul Wax. You know, I, I know that the guys collaborated with LCD a lot and they were, mm-hmm. they haven't toured in a long time and it was another good get for Coachella. I, I, I'll never forget because this is, I was on the influence where Alex and I would just look at each other every few minutes during Soul Wax. What is going on? They have three drummers. It was, it was the most insane set I've ever seen. I agree. It was fucking mind blowing. And like, I can't wait to see them again now, now that I know what I'm getting into. Same. And, and it's like, you're thinking with your, that one, two punch was insane. You had Solax into Jamiroquai in the Mojave. Like it was unbelievable. Anyway, Solax ends. I end up, my girlfriend and I, we shout out to Alex. We end up going over to, to Jean-Michael Jarre. Oh, no, no, I wanted to go to Jean-Michael Jarre, but it's perfect because we went to see, and by the way, this is another amazing coach. I'll get Jean-Michael Jarre headlines, like hundred thousand, like, per, like he's a, what would you call John Michael Jar? Like a visual DJ? Yeah, sort of a, a visual producer, electronic, yeah, you know, but international he's artist. Huge internationally. And mm-hmm. no one was at his set, but we went during in between Soul Axe and Jamiroquai, and it was just just an amazing day of just music and, and things I've never seen before. And it was so fun. That day, that Friday was one of my favorite days at Coachella. Alex, and- we we talk about all the time. I, Greta Van Fleet Bleachers, War on Drugs, Kygo. It was one of the great. It was one of the great music days of my life. I fully, fully agree, and I almost made a terrible mistake. I went over to weekend, and and I like the weekend. I've seen the weekend. I had seen the weekend. I think once. I mean, I like the weekend better than weekdays. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was. Oh boy! Oh boy! Here he is. Anyways. (laughs) <laughs> so we go to the weekend it's like two three songs in one of my buddies texts me and goes you got to come to jamiroquai right now you're fucking up i just look at alex i'm like we should leave shouldn't we and she's like yeah and so we run over to fucking the mojave i think we missed the first song and i mean it was unbelievable it was it was like an it felt like we were at an old school like disco party disco. in a tent Everyone's dancing. I'll never, ever forget them ending with love philosophy, which is such. I was like in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, like, oh, they're not going to play virtual insanity, which to be honest, I like virtual insanity. Don't get me wrong. It's a great song. 
now being a big Jamiroquai fan, not even close to one of their best songs. No, no, they have and, so many. They have so many great ones. Yeah, and I would have liked to see it, but them ending with this fucking song, it was the most epic dance party. I just I can't get over it. And then, of course, also, I think maybe right before two songs before they played Canned Heat, which, of course, in Napoleon Dynamite, everyone was going nuts at that. Yeah. Such a such a fun set. And like are truly the set. Only beaten by one, which we'll get to next. I mean, well, and, and, and that's, that's amazing when you find and, and it's just funny because I was reading I was prepping for this with with Alex again. Shout out. I'm in his in his little studio here. Shout and, out to the man. And I was giving him my list and Alex has been, you know, to many Coachella's with me and he was like, well, all, all the things you're doing are too big, you know, because we've had so many great times at these small, intimate sense in it, sets in a tent. And, you know, the last couple of years, you know, Polo and Pan, Karangbin, uh, Parcels, all these, we saw churches in the Mojave lot, lot two years ago. And it's, you know, it's amazing. It's like when you see any band in a smaller venue, it's, there's something cooler about it. And the fact that Jamiroquai was in this fun tent of just, like, if you were in Jamiroquai instead of the weekend or whoever else was playing, like in the Sahara, like you're here to party, you know? Yes. And it was just, yes. and the vibe was great. I had a great moment too, because it's, this could maybe we might talk about this in in the second podcast, but I've snuck into a few Coachellas, which we can talk about um, eventually. But I had a good moment where um, two of my best friends they're they have artist passes, and let's be honest, if you have artist passes, why do you want to go meet me in 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 you know in the sea of peasants? So <laughs> we we were trying to meet up a couple times, and then I was like, you know what, I want to see them. I'm a Chamiroquai. And I just hopped over the fence and surprised them. And we enjoyed the whole set together. And so that shout out to amazing. Natasha and Brooke, two of my good friends. It was, it was, you know, just a great Coachella moment. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm like, okay. Number two. You're number two. Okay. Close. This was close to being number one. And this is, I texted Justin this week because there's a few times at Coachella where the headliner will go on second to last and they'll close it with like a DJ for a couple different reasons. Chemical Brothers has done this. Tiesto did this after Muse one year, um, which I actually think is cool for a lot of reasons. I think it's good. Like, like I like headliner second to last because you don't have everyone leaving at once. Yep. I think it's a nice way to kind of end the day. Um, and so 2012, it was the one year, the first time it was two weekends and it rained and it was cold in 2012 and I had to buy a 50, $60 sweatshirt. And if you know me, if I'm spending $60 for a sweatshirt, I'm already in a bad mood. And <laughs> it was, it was kind of miserable. And, you know, obviously as the day progresses, you start feeling better for many different reasons. And they, Black Keys was the headliner. I ended up seeing M83 instead, which I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, Black Keys actually grown on me a lot throughout the years. But this group headlined, and this kind of changed the game for me for for EDM. I I liked it. I would go, and you kind of realize that when you have good production and you have a big artist, it you could get a once in a lifetime legendary set. And it started to get drier. The headliner that sorry the the last art act on the main stage that day was Swedish House Mafia, and. Mm-hmm. It was the, I think it was just with whether it was the samples having it, I think it was like the first big DJ I saw on the main stage, the Coachella production. It was such an amazing set. I've heard a lot about this set. And I mean, great, 
choice. I'd say one of the, especially in the 2010s, one of the absolute most talked about electronic sets. Oh, without question. Without, without question. question. Without question. I'd say probably the two that are the most talked about in that decade is that set and the Calvin Harris 2014. Right. And just, just, I mean, I've never Amazing. seen them. I've never had the pleasure. I, I would love to if they decide to tour a little bit again when this pandemic's when over. Need, when they need a, a nice fat check. Exactly. Exactly. And, but, and, and, and if anyone doesn't know Swedish Out Mafia, they're all big DJs on their own accord. You know, where mm-hmm. they, you know, they're, they, they've all played since probably the Axel and Grosso had a great set, two of the three, um, in 2015. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw that. And that was kind of like a lot of the Swedish house bangers. Um, Steve Angelo's great. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, and fun uh, fact about the Swedish house mafia, the very, the earliest incarnation also included Eric Pritz, who I'm a big I fan. I did not, I did not know that. Yeah. They were all, I mean, they all grew up in Sweden and, they were all friends, all whatever. And they, and they were all in the mafia. Exactly. And they started it together. And Eric wanted to make, I think, a little bit different type of music. And he sort of went and did his own thing. And then they created what we Very know cool. today as Swedish House Mafia. And they're all friends to this day. I love it. Um, but yeah, that is a great pick. Great, great all pick. Right. Number all two, right. let's hear it. No, this is number one. Dude. Oh, number one. Number one. So, hey, you already know. We're cycling back to your number five, Hans Zimmer, 2017. My favorite Coachella set of all time. All time. More than any headliner, more than any non-headliner. I don't know if I will ever be so blown away by a set of music in my life. And I'll say I went into this set with very high expectations. I love a lot of the stuff that Hans Zimmer has done. The Lion King's my favorite movie ever. I love all the the Christopher Nolans. I mean, we have Gladiator. We have, um, you know, I don't want to miss things, but so much. And he put on a once in a lifetime show. I know that he does tour his show around a bit, but like it was so special for Coachella. He knew it. And I was with my, it was probably the biggest, like, one of the times I was with every single one of my friends, and I'll never forget that during the circle of life, we literally all formed a circle in the crowd and all like held hands. Amazing. It was so incredible. I mean, I was I cried during the set and then ending with time with it with time from inception. I mean, it was beautiful. It was it was like you said, Adam, earlier there's certain things you can only get on the fields and that are so special that Coachella brings that no other festival in the country is going to bring. And this is one of those things. At w- once in a lifetime, I would say in the beginning, I was like a little bummed because I thought it would have been better if there, and I'm sure copyright reasons he could, couldn't do it but like a screen so you can see the movies. Cause sometimes I'm trying to figure out what it was, but mm-hmm. then I didn't really care because what you were seeing, you know, and I remember there was like a violin player that she was like getting so into it. And just like, you can mm-hmm. tell everyone else in the, in this whole orchestra was just so pumped, you know, Pharrell came out to do a song the weekend yeah. I was there and it, it was such a great experience. It was something, like I said, like, I'm not going to see Han Zimmer, you know, when he performs his normal tour probably, but at Coachella, it's something so cool, something so different. And that's a great pick. So thank you. Thank you. My all time favorite. So my number one, 
is the definition of only at Coachella. And this, my number one, this one is because we've talked about different gets in production and Hall of Fame rock bands, but the guess sometimes is overwhelming. And in 2014, okay, yep, Pharrell Williams um, was played at 10 o'clock on the outdoor stage, which Mm -hmm. is the second biggest stage during Queens of Stone Age, which I would have loved to see instead. And that's why 2014, we talked about lineups, which is so stacked. So that was one where you went to both weekends, you would not overlap once, and I would have an insane time both weekends. 100% agree. One of the best. But so his, so Pharrell is someone like the whole year he toured and he was on top of the world. Happy was the number one song in the world. He, he, it was his voice on get lucky and those Daft Punk songs, which is, was the biggest album in the world. And so, and then, you know, so he was touring. He has so, such a big catalog of things he's produced or things he's, and things he's done himself. And the set list is pretty similar. The whole, his whole tour and his whole festival set. The only difference is instead of him sampling hot in here, he had Nelly come up to do hot in here. And instead of doing Pascavassier, which he also produced at Coachella, he had Buster Rhymes come on and Puff Daddy. And then he had Snoop Dogg drop it like it's hot. And then he had Gwen Stefani do holler back girl. That was, that was an all time moment right there. All time. All time moments. I'll never forget it. Um, it was it was so iconic. Everything about it was just so cool. And it's, again, something you only could get at Coachella. You could see Pharrell, but you're not going to see the list of people that came on with him. And funny, I, I finally saw the set, and people told me about it, but, like, I, you know, there's you can't notice everything. So it's great sometimes seeing seeing the seeing sets, you know, play, play back. The VIP area for him was, like, the who's who of, like, artists. And they all kind of come on stage during happy. And I like, and, and it's just from Ward and Heim to Tyler, the creator and everyone just going ham. And it was, it was such a cool set. It's the definition of why Coachella is Coachella. And that's my number one. Dude. I mean, absolutely incredible pick. One of my very, you know, that fought to be on my list for sure. Definitely one of the, the highest honorable mentions for me. And you, you just, you put it perfectly. I mean, this is, such a big thing of what is special about Coachella. You could only ever get that at Coachella. And it's definitely, I think when I think back, whether or not it was my favorite set or, you know, in my top 10 or in my top 20, whatever, that is one of the most memorable. There is no question about it. I mean, it was insane. Most guests you're ever pretty much going to get. And I, I will stand by the Gwen Stefani Hollaback girl moment was one of the all-time Coachella moments ever. It was just insane. 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 Um, insane. Yeah, what a fucking pick. And and we have to quickly, you know, be able to talk for, for a few minutes about some honorable mentions because there were so many that it killed me to leave off, dude. So many. So, so yeah, so for me, because, like, I my theme was kind of the top, you know, five things you could only get. Um, the number one one that I, I missed was Weezer. Um, which I've told you about a bunch of times. Just yep. they just brought it. They they got elevated to like a higher set, like a, a higher set set time. They did all the hits. It, they just were genuinely seem like touched that like as a band that played Coachella in two thousand four, like would be come back seventeen years later as nerdy and old as they are, and just have like an insane crowd. And 
it, it was it was special. It was special for me. I had a great group and just the it was just banger after banger. So that that's one of mine. Um, I've been fortunate to see two of my favorite bands on the field earlier in the day, um, RX Bandits and Bad Religion. And just for me, it was like just an amazing moment because I love going to Coachella and mixing that with your favorite bands are, are amazing. So those were also honorable mentions. And the XX to me was an incredible set. I don't know if you were at the XX. 2013 or 20, no, uh, 2017. 2017. And Jamie XX in the middle does loud places. They had some great samples. It was just, just a special set of uh, such a such a unique and amazing bands. Um, when I used to not be scared of the Sahara, um, Moby delivered one of the great sets I've ever seen in 2012 or 13. Um, so those are those are my honorable mentions. Amazing. All right. Well, also, were you at I wasn't sadly and I, I, I'll regret it forever. But were you at the Fat Boy Slim set in the Sahara in 2014 where he made it? Snow? I was. I was. And that actually reminds me another memorable set was um, a bunch of my friends went to Lord again, like the most stacked year ever. And I went to see the Pixies who were one, one of the all time great bands. If you don't know the Pixies, like. Where is my there, mind? There's, there's not there's not a band that's more influential that doesn't get the credit they deserve. Um, but they're, they're just one of the most influential, incredible hit after like banger after banger, awesome bands. And, um, the, in 2004, and you see this in the documentary, it was like one of the big reunions and played in 10 years. It was like a sub headliner, incredible. And you know, as indie rock is not as big as it used to be 2014 last minutes. It was like Look the first that. time. Where it was like when the set times came out, all of a sudden the Pixies are playing in the Mojave tent, and it was like incredible. Julius Casablancas too was like a like a last minute one, mm-hmm. but I remember we we saw the Pixies and Fatboy Slim kind of back to back, and I think it was when the Sahara was right next to the Mojave, so you, I got both of them, oh, and it was so cool. That's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I'm so sad I missed that Fatboy Slim set, but I I luckily saw him at Sound over here in L.A. a couple of years ago, and it was unbelievable seeing him in a room with like 500. Yeah, that's people. awesome. I, I saw him at the I saw him at the shrine. He had a great show once. Oh, that's awesome! A few years ago, yeah. I'm praying he's one of the people from the 2020 lineup that I really, really, really am crossing my fingers they get for 2022 because he was supposed to be in the Yuma, which I don't which think would have been would be more fun than that. Which would have been so cool, exactly. Yeah. So people don't know what the Yuma is. Yuma is the one place, one of the two places with air conditioning. Sometimes you know when it's not crazy, everyone's in there sweating, but it's it's like a club in Coachella, and it's it's, um, it's only house and techno, and it's just it's my it's personally my favorite place at Coachella. If if I could t- give you my three favorite places at Coachella, it's the Yuma Tent, it's Mojave, and it's the main stage. Those are my favorite places. I love well, everywhere. It, it used to be before they kind of configured it, where it's like not exactly when they moved everything around a little bit. The uh-huh. outdoor stage at Sunset was the most special place uh, at Coachella. It was so great. It, it's still great, but they it's did still move great, it a little, and it's become but, a, it's mm. where it used to be. It just was trees everywhere and sky. Yep. It was and perfect. When there was sunset, it was the most. It was one of the most beautiful things ever. And if you haven't been to Coachella, what when there's when there's this when you see your first Coachella sunset and golden hour, it's just it's incredible. There may be nothing. Uh, there may not be a more beautiful sunset in the world. But all right, I'm going to dive into a few honorable mentions. So I have quite a few, but I'm just going to run through them quick and note a couple big ones. So I'd say the big ones for me. <sighs> I've got to shout out Vampire Weekend 2013 on the main stage because I wasn't a fan and I saw them at that set 
and immediately became a fan. They're, you know, one of my favorite bands to to this day. And it's because of that set. Again, the set wasn't anything like necessarily mind blowing, I should say. It was just so solid and made me realize how the fuck haven't I been listening to these guys? So anyway, Pharrell, obviously, you already talked about a big one for me that I loved was Kid Cudi 2014 on the main stage. The energy was just insane. I'll never forget him ending with that Pursuit of Happiness, uh, Steve Aoki remix, and he was just telling everyone to go insane. I think he even like passed out for a moment. He was going so crazy and he ran through the crowd. It was just it was so, so fun. And it was sort of like to me, it was like peak Kid Cudi moment. And that was such a fun set. Um, I've got to give a shout out. I know we talked about Soul Wax. We've mentioned Justice 2017. We've mentioned Odessa. Um, I've got to give a shout out just for weird factor and just like being on drugs and just being freaked the fuck out and having a hilarious encounter with the crew. Sahara Tent 2015 Ratatat. Oh, so fun. Such a fun, ridiculous set. I had a couple friends who were tripping and just... (laughs) The, the, some of the images the birds and shit i was it was too fucking funny i i had a blast during that set um gotta give a shout out to just disclosure in general but the 2016 main stage set oh, you know was what so fun you know what i i i might have forgotten about that one that that's such a great call because that's again it, it's 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 two of the things that make coachella coachella because you have the production and you have the guests Yep, Sam Smith, Sam Smith, Ward, Aluda George. It was, um, it, it was, it was everyone, and it was everyone. It was just such an action-packed fifty minutes. Right after sunset, by the way, that was a great day too. You had Ice Cube, also like an awesome set in the mm-hmm. middle, you know, and then Guns and Roses. Like, you know, what what a th- what a what a one two three that is. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And yeah, that disclosure set, that's up there. Like if we had another few, if we this was a top 10, disclosure I think would be in there. But I got to give a shout for Afternoon Sunday 2016. So much fun. Matt and Kim. Such a fun set. I was just I saw that for the beer garden. Always a fun set. Energy really fun set. I, I, I total total good choice. Yeah. So. And then my first so 2013 I went with a group of friends who wasn't my regular crew for all of Coachella. 2014 is when I started going with a few of my buddies that would become my regular crew for every Coachella. And then it grew in 2015 and was big ever onwards. But 2014, me and two of my closest friends, Andrew Masters and Alex Mendelson, shout out. We went to group love on Friday afternoon. I think it was our first set. We Same indulged. Here. Oh here. my god! We indulged in some uh, extracurricular activities, and Great it all started. And here's, and- here's the other thing funny about Coachella. I'm sure you're the same as us. Obviously, it's hard to drink a lot of Coachella, right? Because you yes. don't want to go to the beer gardens. Obviously, if I was planning Coachella, I'd have one weekend, 21 and over, where there's no beer gardens, and one year, weekend where it's it's all ages. But that's just me. Golden Voice, come at me if you want me to to, <laughs> to help you out. But <laughs> But it's um, you always there's always those sets in the beginning of the day, where because you get your pregame in, you're blitzed for the first couple hours. Does that make sense a little bit? And you totally. know, 
you know, then you might partake in some other activities, but it's, uh, but yeah, that's such, but so such a great call. Group love was awesome. And I remember right after I saw Heim, which I love shout out any Jew, Jewish girls in the Valley. Um, <laughs> and it was their first set of the day. Um, but that was just, just a great day. 2014 was, was such a stacked lineup. So, so stacked. And I, I just have a few more I want to shout out and then, I, and then I'm done, but uh, real quick shout out one more 2014 Nas's set. I love Nas. He did. Oh, you did Nas over Muse. I did. And by the way, did. that was that was one of the most insane. You had Skrillex, Nas, Muse. And I think Devo. Like I think it was like it was insane. Insane. And oh my god, man! I bet Skrillex's set was awesome too. And it, it just all was awesome. And yeah, I went to Nas. He did Omatic fully through, which was a big album for me in college. Brought out Jay Z, who you know they'd been longtime rivals. They did Dead Presidents, awesome, awesome set. Um, more recent Coachellas, I have to give some. Here's some. So Yuma, I say it's my favorite place. I haven't given you one set from the Yuma. 2018 Sunday, that crazy ending. There was Portugal the man into, like we said, Odessa into Eminem. I think slightly overlapping, I believe, with Portugal the man, but starting I think before they went on. Motor City Drum Ensemble in the Yuma. We okay, this is amazing because like we we weren't really friends then. Uh-huh. We we did every, we did the exact same day. Oh my god! Oh my god! Exactly. That set and you know Motor City Drum Ensemble doesn't come to the states that much. It's one guy um, from Europe. He absolutely fucking destroyed in the Yuma and, and unbelievable yeah my girlfriend Alex and I we were there it was it was actually just us two out of the crew that went to her we like we got to check this out could not leave couldn't peel ourselves away it was so fun and um love that set need to shout that out and then I need to I need to shout out Idris Chris Lake oh well, well so that set, which I am so sad, the Idris Elba one that I didn't see a lot of, looked absolutely fucking electric. I was there for like 10 minutes, but long story. But I need to shout out 2018 Chris Lake at the Do Lab. So if you know me well, you know, Chris Lake at this point is like one of my favorite DJs. I, I'll go to any fucking show the guy does. I think he's awesome. And at this point, he was sort of he's been around a long time, but 2018, he started to get bigger. I'd say more so a little bit in the back half of the year, but this was sort of like, to me, the moment where he really started on a very quick upward trajectory. And we wandered into his set. Two of my friends had heard operator by him. And we, four of us go to his set, just having so much fun. He played Pizza, which is a song that, you know, later he would release under Anti Up, which is him and Chris Lorenzo, their their little super group. It was just, I mean, it started my love for Chris. It started my love sort of, again, he's tech house, but it, that really set me off on the house rabbit hole and got me deeper and deeper. So I got to shout that set out. I was also to Yuma set 2019, which was crazy. I had to jump the fence to get into it, but um. But yeah, I'd say that. And then you know what? Last one I'll give that I know a lot of people give flack. I thought it was fucking fun as hell. It was Jack U 2016 uh, closing out the outdoor stage. Yeah, I missed that one, but it looked like a blast. It was a blast. And I mean, we're just I'm just doing so many, but 
Chic. I have a couple now too. Chic 2018. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. If, if you don't know about now Rogers, people at home listening, it's kind of like Pharrell where it's like Pharrell's done so much producing. And so every Chic song that now Rogers does, it's like, you don't, you think they're like a cover band, but he has to like say, no, I produced this David Bowie song 10 years. You know, yep. I wrote ago. this song. And I produced this. I so, produced yeah. this song and I wrote this song and he, it's, it was so cool. It was so cool. Um, and then, you know, he, he was part of get lucky. And then he does this like funky soul, get lucky version. It was, it was awesome. I made, I, I was so blown away. They did three nights at the Hollywood bowl and it was like a pretty similar set. I made my friends go for 4th of July and oh it God, was amazing. It was awesome. That was a great day. Then Chromeo after, yeah. um, super fun. Um, couple memorable other sets on my end. Um, a couple memorable sets on my end. I have uh, Ellie Golding was an angel when I saw her. I saw her twice. Twenty fourteen was super fun during the day, but then she played twenty sixteen yep. right before LCD on the main stage, and she was amazing. It was it was such a fun a fun set. Um, you know, so many hit songs. That was really fun. And as someone that really likes Heim, so Heim like opened the, like basically played early outdoor stage 2014. And then 2017 was like open for Beyonce on the main stage, like not going to get bigger than that. And it was very surreal experience because they're from the Valley, their whole like backgrounds. And by the, by the way, Paul Thomas Anderson, like basically like produced their whole set. And he also directs all their music videos. And, the whole thing, it's like, I'm seeing, you know, this band I really love, favorite festival, and it's like Ventura Boulevard, which is like my home base that way I grew up. And it was, it was a very surreal, incredible moment for me. Um, also, you kind of, you, you know, when the lineup comes out, you also do some research, right? Oh, who mm -hmm. looks cool and stuff. And Calypso Rose is 85 years old. Yes. She's like, she's like a queen where she's from in, um, in I forget the exact country. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, so anyway, it's she has this like twenty person bands, and it was the most fun set to start the day in like one of the tents that I I've ever I've ever been to. I think I made some of my friends go, and they're like, "What are we seeing?" And they had a blast, and it was just again something you only get at a at a festival like Coachella. Also, she's from Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Shout out to our Trinidad and Tobago fans. There we go. There we go. Dude, great, great shout. And I mean, it's 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 the it's the best festival in the world. I know the probably the, the two most prominent festivals in the world, Coachella and Glastonbury. And would you agree? Would you agree? Probably the two oh, without, most without question. Yeah. And I mean, as you and I have said to each other, we're we're making it to Glastonbury as soon as we can. 2022, if we can somehow get tickets, even though everyone rolled over. Otherwise, 2023. But um, shit, this was epic. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is, is this is like if Justin and I met for a beer, this is probably the thing one of the yes, 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 yes. about anyway. So <laughs> very, very simple. But it was, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. Memory. You know, it's funny. When, I think when you do a live music list, because I mean, the reason why, you know, I love being on this podcast is I make lists all the time. And um, it's just when you do live music lists, it's so much also is about like you want to talk about, okay, this was like an epic, iconic moment, but it, it's about the fun you're having. And like, you know, who who's your group of friends? You know, are you know, what, how are you feeling? You know, and um, 
and I think that has some, you know, something a big part to, a big part of how um, of how you rate these. And like, I think some of my most memorable memories are from music festivals. So that's why this list was uh, pretty awesome. I I could not agree more, and I can't wait to do it again with you next week for weekend two, so that we can keep this going. And I mean, this was crazy. This is the first bonus app ever of top fives and deep dives. Hope I'm everyone honored. enjoyed. Uh, hey, there, it, it couldn't be anyone else. Adam Levine, Coach Adam, the one and only. And next week, we are going to be talking about top five Coachella lineups. And in this one, we don't have to have gone. It's just lineups, purely based on lineups. And we're going to give our top five. We're going to talk about a few other things, Coachella. Maybe we'll each give our uh, our personal favorite year that we've been to, favorite stage, yada, yada. Anyways, we're looking forward to it. We'll see you guys next week. Top fives and deep dives. Adam, thank you, my friend, for joining. This is, again, this is what we would have talked about when we're hanging out anyway. So we'll see everyone next week. I love it. Top fives and deep dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantino.